We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. Sees a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs a tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo for a special Friday night conversation tonight with former Lions defensive tackle Jerry Ball, who covers them now for Believe in Lions. Their podcast you know, presents a good perspective from a player point of view, and that's also why I want to get Jerry here as well. We talked with Malcolm Hart last night, and now we want to talk with former Lions players while they head into this big game for us. These, I know the records will indicate, but with Jared Goff coming in, it matters. It matters a lot, and we'll get that player perspective. Before we do, when I head over to Apple Music, please leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And here's a word from our sponsors. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, without further ado, 
Here's Jerry Ball from Believe in Lions. All right, folks, I'm here with former Lion, Viking, Raider, Brown, just just a plug in the middle. Jerry Ball, one, I, and I just I said before the show started how much I really appreciate watching him play when I was a teenager. And I tell you why, because the guy was legitimate, like a true blue nose, one of the, a textbook example of what a nose tackle should be. And now he's covering the Lions with the Believe in Lions podcast. Jerry, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for coming on. And how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. And I appreciate you guys having me on and to all the listeners and fans and stuff. Like say hello, and uh, hey, yeah, I know you you explain all the teams I played for, which sound like I was a journey man, but I enjoyed every bit of it. Well, I mean, you were. I would a, when I think of a journeyman, I think of somebody who's kind of a player who, you know, is a fringe player who sometimes a starter, sometimes isn't. You were, yeah, yeah, yeah. legit though. Like you, you plugged that hole. You made it really hard for teams to get their business done in the running game, and, and quite frankly, on some not-so-great Lions teams, for that matter. Um, but yet... A lot of truth, <laughs> regretfully. But, but yet, I mean, you last in the league for, what, geez, three, three, nine... From 1987 to 1999, that's what, 13 years? Yeah, 13. 13, 13 years. years. That's a heck of a career. That's not a career of I see it's some just journeyman. That's a guy who accomplished something. But three Pro Bowl wins, well, too, right? I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, three Pro Bowls, you know, one all-pro first team and one all-pro second team, Madden twice, all Madden. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I I made a tackle or two or at least impressed some people at least once or twice, but I I definitely appreciate it and stuff that, you know, you acknowledge it. You know, one thing about the no-tackle position, it's not a position where you're going to get a lot of tackles or you're going to get a lot of sacks. It's not designed for you to do that. Just in the scheme, and any time that you can get any note, any notoriety, you know, mm-hmm. it says that you've done something. And I would say that, you know, I appreciate, you know, that you acknowledge that. I really do humbly. Uh, I say that. I uh, really appreciate the kind words. I also was the nine nine sacks as a nose in nineteen eighty nine. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. This guy say nine sacks yeah. as a nose in eighty nine. And you know what the the irony about that is that I had nine sacks that year, and then the next year the Lions wouldn't even let me be on the nickel rush. I guess they didn't want to pay me, so they said, well, we can't give him the run stopping and the sack. Oh, my gosh. Are they serious? <laughs> yeah, no, really. Oh, my really. god! I was starting on nickel that year, and the next year I'm, I, I can't even get off there, so. But you know, hey, but I, that's that's the politics of football in certain organizations. You know, you know, but just, just to date myself a little bit too. You know, I was there for one of those sacks on the Thanksgiving game against the Browns in the, in the old Silverdome. I got to okay, see you take okay. down old Bernie in that, in that Thanksgiving yep. game. I was there for that, so you know, that's a nice little memory hey. too. Yep, yep. Hey, all of it is good memories. I ain't had nothing but a great time. The NFL was definitely a benefit to me and my family. And, and you know, we're appreciative, you know, good and the bad, you know. But it's got some injuries with that, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have some questions for you here, in particular with the Lions now. And 
Okay. To tie that history together, because I think it's kind of important here. This is a Lions franchise that going back to your days, and I mean, going back to before your days even, I mean, this is a Lions franchise that has struggled for years, and they haven't been able to get it right. And I'm watching them struggle this year, and I'm thinking, oh, come on. Because the Lions took a lot of our guys from the front office to some of our coaches. Yeah to Michael Brockers and Jared Goff. And if I'm also honest, having grown up in the Midwest, I is there's a part of me that's like, man, I want to see the Lions be successful. Was up there for the Rams-Lions game a couple years ago, and the fans were some of the kindest fans. The, the service at the stadium was wonderful. The experience was wonderful. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, the Lions, these Lions fans deserve more, far more, than what they're yep. getting from this franchise. So, I, I mean, I guess the first question I want to ask you, with all that in mind, what is the state of the Detroit Lions right now? I mean, is there hope for their future? Well, there's always hope for a future. Long as, again, like I said, you know, every day we get, you know, a choice and a chance. I think, you know, the Lions has, has had plenty of chances and stuff. I think some of their choices have not been to the benefit of what their aim was. And in some degree, maybe they, you know, some of the people that was involved aim wasn't as high as the ownership might have won. You know, the Lions as an organization, you know, from Mr. Ford to his son to his wife, now his daughter, you know, all have held the hymns in a way that, it kind of remains the same, even though they changed the figurehead who's on top of it. And the reason why I say that is because they take an approach like they run Ford Motor Company or Firestone, because Mrs. Ford is a Firestone, mm-hmm. you know, and she married a Ford. So in that aspect, you're talking about a family that has a rarefied perspective just on life, because these People are heirs to fortunes well beyond the imagination for common folk. So then you take uh, a family like that and they acquire an asset. Mr. Ford acquired the team. I think he might have paid about $5,000. It was about nice worth a billion dollars. So it's clearly an annuity and an asset. Now, in that period of time, you know, they have hired. You know, from the Matt Millens, you know, to um, some local guys that had some Midwest influence, as well as, you know, people that was endeared by Mr. Ford, like, you know, Russ Thomas. And in that aspect, you know, I don't think that any, well, I, I can't say in every decision, but I will say during the time that I was there, I don't feel that the Lions ownership really get the true nature of what's needed inside the organization because one, they put people in place that are not football people. Now it's different with this new group that's come in, but before that you've got people that's been running their family trust or been a part of their, you know, thinking on the level of their wealth that's making football decisions. And that is a big disconnect. And that's why there's a culture, you know, disconnection between the Ford family and their team. 
And then they'll come back and they'll bring a guy like Chris Fieldman in. And Chris is a great guy. I played with Chris and all that. But then, you know, Chris is also similar to Matt Millen and also similar to Dan, to Coach Campbell. You know, these are guys that, you know, any day, if you get their emotion, they could be on WWE. <laughs> Think about what I'm saying. But when oh, yeah. you talk about motivating men to rally behind a cause, Sometimes the raw, raw are that, you know, um, I guess you would say knock down the wall at all costs. A lot of guys in this day and age, in the modern era, they don't respond to that. Matter of fact, they shy away from it. And it's going to be important now that Coach Campbell finds a way to lead that team because the one thing about it, and this is being, being fair to him, it's his first year, and yes, uh, some of the people that have brought have come from an organization that has had some recent success, but the reality is is that they have to reestablish it. And the Lions, you know, they have the resources to make the investment, but when you go back and you look at the Lions over the years, if you look at it, you know, what major free agents have they ever signed since free agents since 93? One major one don't exist. Okay? So then you tell your fans you're trying to win. Well, it's, it seems like, you know, Belichick seems to get stars when they want them. The Cowboys can get them when they go after them. What, what's, what's the problem? It's the culture of winning. Players that are outside the Lions organization that see how they treat the Calvin Johnsons and the Barry Sanders and stuff that are superlative across the whole line, it puts a taint on the team, so it makes teams less than willing to really consider the Lions unless they put ungodly money on the table, and they do that with the wrong people. So I know that was long-winded, but that's really, you know, how I see it being close enough to know too. And I remember you know, I remember watching Barry Sanders walk away from the game and being shell shocked. And but when Calvin Johnson walked away, I gotta be real with you, I wasn't so surprised. Because you're right, it, it, there's a culture there. And we've seen people come in and out of Detroit over the last couple decades and the idea has been yeah. change the culture. Why have they not been able to change the culture? Well, because, again, you have people that are not football people that are making those decisions. But let's say, for instance, if someone, a player like, I, I give you an example. Just Let's bring it to the player level. You take a player like Ray Lewis as an example. Mm -hmm. The Lions would have had a problem with Ray not because of anything that he would have ever done that would have been troublesome, but because he's a winner, he demands that other people have excellence in what they do. So that started going up to the general, general manager, the coaches, and everybody because I was that type of player. They didn't like that. They didn't like being challenged, but I didn't like being on a – Four and twelve, three and thirteen, you know, team on a consistent basis where everybody's comfortable. 
okay? So they've never let a culture come in there from the player standpoint that they could really have a champion-type athlete actually play for them because they would want to keep it's like you you keep it's like Barry Sanders when the general motors tells the general manager I'm sorry not general motors the general manager for the Lions told Barry Sanders because he was the he was the best player on the team didn't mean he had to be the highest paid player on the team hmm. now think about that your general manager tells that to Barry Sanders, who most likely is the best player in the game. But you're telling him that even on this team, you don't appreciate him enough to make him your highest paid player and you sign Scott Mitchell. Okay? <laughs> to a higher salary than Barry. Or better yet, Benny Blade. Benny redid his contract, so sometimes I think Benny, you know, may have gotten into, you know, the contracts before he needed to. But at one period of time, you know, Benny, perennial pro bowler, he has to hold out for a contract, and then shit. Next thing you know, after he signs his contract, hell, they signed his backup for a larger amount. But he's been loyal to you. He's been your player, you know, and that's the way that the Lions have done. All of the players that are drafted by them, they try to put their foot on the neck and then want others to come in there. But other players, you think they're not going to, Benny's not going to say something to another player that may have considered the Lions or Reggie White wasn't going to hear how they treated me or how they treated Barry. He and Barry both were religious friends in other sectors. We all was in the same peer group. Mm -hmm. So you think when he see those things happening that they don't know. So the Lions have to recognize that, you know, some of their, their closest advisors may not be the best advisors. And I'm not talking about the guys that came from Los Angeles because I don't know them. I'm just talking about what they've mm -hmm. been going to in the past, you know. So bring that to now, and you're looking at this, you know, Dan Campbell as your head coach, you have Brad Holmes as GM, a guy who really, I mean, our drafts out here, given the fact we haven't had a first-round pick since, I think, the 1930s, um, our drafts have been pretty successful. How are, are you sensing any kind of change in that culture there now? Is there a different attitude than what you've seen in the past? Well, it's very hard to tell in such a short period of time, you know, and I think even from the coaching standpoint, Dan should at least be given two to three years to show his improvement. But from the coaching standpoint, I, I mean, from the general manager standpoint, I think that they start showing their value early by going out and find talent and stuff and, and bring in the players that's going to fit the scheme that Coach Campbell and uh, – and, and Aaron Glenn and the coordinators are trying to put in place. And, you, and see, and that's another thing that's real hard for a lot of fans to really adjust to is that, you know, when you come in as a coach and you inherit a team, you're actually inheriting personnel that might not fit your scheme. So it's not real easy just to shuffle those players in and out 
because you might be going to, you know, an offensive scheme that's 70% run, 30% pass, and you need a couple big tight ends, whereas another offense, you know, we're going to spread it out. So I don't need but one tight end, and he needs to be one that can run routes. And we're going to play three wides all the time, and every now and then we'll put that third wide as being the tight end, just kick him out. And then when we want to change the flow, we kick him in a tight end, and then we'll pound the ball. You know, those are different schemes, but it requires different personnel. So it's very, you know, it's very uh, easy to overlook the fact that, you know, that, you know, Campbell did inherit somebody else's personnel. So it's going to take a minute. But they are pros, so they should be able to adapt to. And all that in mind, and speaking of adapting, you know, our former starting quarterback, our former Pro Bowl starting quarterback who hit some hard times for the MS career, Jared Goff, is now a Lion. And just reading some of the quotes in the last few days, I mean, even seeing Coach Campbell call him out a bit, what is your impression of, of Jared Goff at this point, and, and how much leeway do you think he should have as he adjusts to this new offense for him? Well, um, I, I would say this, that, you know, Sometimes it's not fair to really put all the weight on the quarterback. You know what the Lions are hoping Jared to do when he's following Matt Stafford. You know, Matt he was successful in Detroit. The team might not have been, but he was. And you could expect a certain level of play. Right now, what I see in Jared right now, I don't see him being as comfortable as one would like at the sixth game of the season. Some of it has to do with the offensive line and the holes that's there as it relates to the injuries, you know, but as a system, an offensive system, you know, this last game, you know, um, I made a statement on another podcast is that they look like a team that just had a bye and didn't practice because everything, the timing was off, the spacing was off, and you could see it. So all that in mind, you know, looking at these matchups going this week, for the Lions offense against this Rams defense, how does it break down for you? Oh, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> you know where it breaks down right there, Aaron Donald. You know, the, it, it's, the way that I really look at it, it's, it's two things. On the defensive side, from the standpoint of what the Rams are bringing to the table with, you know, Aaron Donald leading the charge, being probably, without a doubt, the most dominant defender in the game right now. Uh, And that's physically and results. Um, I really love the way that they're starting to move him up and down the line. That's how the Vikings did when I joined them. And they start letting John Randall be able to move outside. And when that happens, that means that they got some stability on the inside. So that lets me know that the Rams' defense, from the standpoint of what they're doing on the front line, is, is getting ready to make a run. And then allow, you know, Aaron to move from defensive end to three technique and flip sides and stuff, you know, that's going to be a nightmare for the Lions because they got a patch line. And then the other thing is is that, you know, typically you let a guy like Aaron Donald just 
play bully ball, find a weak link and and make them make the adjustment. And then when they make that adjustment, go to the next link. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think the Lions are going to have the hardest thing is controlling that front up there with Aaron Donald. From an offensive standpoint, you know, I think that, you know, Jared, you know, has to get swift in the game. They got to establish the run to help him in the pass aspect of it. Right now, you know, some of his key receivers, you know, are guys that, you know, they're really just, you can see they're just forming some continuity. But they got some talent, you know. Now, when it comes to the Rams offense, you know, this is where I think it might favor the Rams again because of the simple fact that the secondary is somewhat tattered. And then, you know, with that, you know, you got a lot of guys that, you know, are having to step up and, and answer the bell. And then, shit, you got Matt Stafford, you got Cuff, you got Sean Jackson, uh, what's the other guy, shit? Excuse my language. Robert Woods. Uh, yeah, Robert Woods. Woods. And, 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 and so when you start talking about an offense, man, shit. The only thing that I think the Rams right now is the running back, but running backs are a dime a dozen. There are a lot of good running backs. You just find – you can find one. And I know that's the only hole that's been in that offense is some of the injury with those running backs. But but what they're doing and Matt Stafford at the helm and stuff, you know, the Detroit Lions, the defensive line has to step up and help the secondary by getting, you know, pressure and keep Stafford moving so that he don't pick them apart. So what you just mentioned there really kind of brought a question in my mind. I, I have to ask it. You know, when the Rams traded away Goff to the Lions for Matt Stafford, there were several loyalists to Goff. There still are some loyalists to Goff. We think he got ripped off, think he got gypped. And there's the other side of things, you know, those same people are saying, hey, um, the guy didn't do didn't win anything in Detroit. My counter argument has been the guy never had a roster that was conducive to winning. In my view, he put up numbers in spite of the rosters he had. Well, he had Calvin Johnson, but most yeah. times he didn't have a running game. Sometimes he didn't have a defense. Exactly. Sometimes he didn't have an offensive line. Exactly. And and they didn't so have the compliment. Um. So counter it, please. What is the truth on Matt Stafford? Where does he rank in your view as, as an NFL quarterback? You're talking about Jared? Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford? Yeah. Shit, Matt in the top five. Why? Well, one, he truly, from a passing efficiency, rarely makes a mistake where he goes with the ball. He got an accurate ball going downfield. And given that, you know, the lines, you know, again, you know, a few coaching changes, different schemes, Calvin leaving, retooling, you know, he never really had a chance to really reach his peak or peak with another superstar, right? Mm -hmm. What I think makes him good with Los Angeles is one, they, he seems to be happier as a player. That's one thing. 
you know, your attitude and how you're approaching the game week in, week out. In Detroit, being, being Max Stafford, you're having an answer for things that you can't explain. So that pressure has to dissipate. Then you're also playing with a team that just contended for a championship here within the last couple of years and stuff. So now you're talking about, you know, playing with, you know, some guys in a team that know what it takes to win that can kind of take some pressure off of it, you know. And I do believe that that new stadium and the weather and, you know, being able to, you know, cut a new path was what he needed. You know, then Matt being from Holland Park, which is the town SMU is in Dallas, that's is a little niche community, you know. Um, he's been well off all his life. So I think that the pressure of football is, is less for him in Los Angeles than it was for Detroit because he felt he had to carry it all by himself. So looking at this game now, you just kind of broke some things down for us. Do you care to make a prediction of how this thing goes? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm always rooting and and rallying for the Detroit Lions, and if they want me to go out there and take a take a play and and get ran over one time, I do it. But I tell you what, it's going to be real tough for them to beat the Rams in Los Angeles. You know, I have to be I have to talk real football if if I want to be credibility, right? Mm-hmm. If I want the credibility, I got to say what it is. I think the Rams is a better football team. So I mean, it's first there. I mean, they're going to have yours on the Rams side saying this is going to be a blowout, and I'm hesitant to ever say that. Let's NFL. hope not. But do you? But where do you think this thing goes? Rams by ten? Rams by five? Rams by a field goal? How? Where does this go for you? I could see by two touchdowns. But that that I could see by two touchdowns if Jared is really moving offense. But if they go whereas in the first half this last game they didn't score, you know, it could be out of reach, similar how the Cincinnati game ended up being. Now one thing that comes to my mind is, you know, the Lions have given some teams some problems. They gave the Ravens all they could handle just a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. I mean, no, no. Let me tell you, no. See, that's the other thing, yeah, and I, and I would be not being fair. You know, the Lions have had some losses that they could have very well won. So it's not that they are a slouch team, but the biggest thing that's happening between some of those games with Baltimore is they've had added injuries. Huh. Some of those guys that played then aren't there now. So the, right now, the Rams are probably catching them at a good time. Man, we're we're facing the Rams at the worst time. Oof. Tell you the truth. Gotcha. You know, secondary tattered, offensive line tattered, the offense as a whole doesn't have its rhythm. Uh Swift, you know, he's got to do become the every down back for them to me to really be efficient in that offense because he is a threat. He because he can run and he can actually run routes. You know, and and I think that that helps, you know, golf when he's on the field. When the other back comes in, it becomes one dimensional. Whereas they slamming on the run, or they playing the pass for the pass, you know. But when Swift is in there, they got to be fifty fifty. Gotcha. 
All right. So can you let folks know where they can find you? Because I they well, gotta hey, follow you. Well, we gotta have them follow you. All right. Well, it's a couple a couple places and stuff. You know, uh, Jerry Wrecking Ball is you know what I go by. But on Believe in the Lions, you know we we're on on Mondays and Thursdays, and you can find us on Believe B L E A V in the Lions podcast believe podcast network and then jerry ball 93 for twitter jerry wrecking ball instagram and jerry ball face jerry ball jr facebook oh and and folks he just got his his uh, twitter going jerry ball 93 give the man a follow check out his shows this week covering the rams want to thank you jerry so much we your time today. Really appreciate it. And we'll look for a great game on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Just so you know, I meant every word I said to Jerry Ball. I remember watching him play. It was a lot of fun to see a big old defensive lineman like him be a true nose. And true noses, even in the 90s, were becoming a dying breed. They're very rare now even. So that's what he was. And I enjoyed watching him play. And and I was privileged to, to, as a fan who loved the trenches, to see him put on the uniform. So there you go. His thoughts in the Lions game. And that's it. That's it for our previews for this for this matchup. Uh, again, I think this will be a fairly easy Rams win with the potential for a letdown. It's a classic trap game. We've seen the Rams play down to opponents before. Let's hope it doesn't happen this time. But we'll see you Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Talk Rants. Follow me on Twitter, DC Apollo. Don't forget to follow the other guys as well. We're found anywhere podcasts are available. We're out of here. Have a great one. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.